Kelly, you announced on the in the newsletter actually this week that so sad, sad trombone. Um, that I think we actually no, need sad music here. We do need sad music, Aaron. Cue the sad music. That you will no longer be able to do the podcast and the newsletter for if we were writing. I feel like you, um, what's the word here? Buried the lead because I'm going to go be editor in chief of triathlete magazine. Oh, right. That. Right. I was seeing it through my lens. I'm, (laughs) I'm losing you. Someone else is gaining you. (laughs) No. Okay. For real. Congratulations on the new appointment. Oh yeah. Because I forgot. I forgot. Literally we recorded that episode on Friday at endurance exchange. And when we finished recording, the press release had come out literally in that like during the 30 minutes we were recording last week. So we didn't actually announce it on the podcast. I forgot about that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Cause you we like hung up and I was like exporting a file and you said the press release came out. So yeah. So FYI, I'm going to be the new editor in chief of triathlete. And I actually start, uh, when this comes out, uh, on Monday. So that's really soon. That's really fast. And I just like, do not have the time cannot spend a day a week doing the newsletter anymore so next week will be kind of the last newsletter and the last podcast we'll do like a goodbye everyone podcast next friday a retrospect a clip show we should totally do, we should a-, do a clip show <laughs> oh my gosh that, that, that's a bit of work but we totally should but a lot okay. of people are asking me i mean obviously all the fans are asking me what i'm gonna do with my life sarah no, but they are asking, what are, what are you going to do with the newsletter and podcast? What's your plan? Okay, I know well, you guys have a bunch of stuff in the works. We do have a lot happening at Live Feisty here. Um, okay, but first, before I move to that, I have been getting, we've been getting a lot of like cry emojis and stuff on Instagram, oh, yeah. the story and on. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that. So as far as Live Feisty is concerned, obviously Kelly was a big loss and we love her, <laughs> but we will continue to have a newsletter. We will no longer call it if we were writing, but we're looking at because you and i did like brainstorm that idea all by ourselves yeah that's yeah. like yeah all the, we came up with that brilliance all by ourselves <laughs> um and, but we will continue a live feisty newsletter in some form and whatever that form is will be amazing we just have to we're looking for right now i'm like looking for writers and this all happened really quickly so but we will continue with the newsletter the podcast you know it's funny because like i i do feel like the if we were writing brand is is you and i and, and we started it's like yeah. it's your brand and i came on the podcast with you and some people might not know actually that we had two previous podcasts yeah before this one did we i thought we only had one oh we did because we did the we did one about the olympics mm-hmm. the five ring circus a, what's the word a pop-up a short term it was uh, five and then you and i yeah we had another podcast and i feel like we uh we needed that to learn and grow and become mm-hmm. who we are sarah yeah yes if we were riding was the culmination this was like <laughs> the third and best podcast of kelly and i so i think I would consider continuing on the podcast with another um, co-host, but I just need a little minute to think about it. And what I what I'm hearing is that you're auditioning people, and they should <laughs> send in samples. <laughs> if people would like to audition, to send in samples. Honestly, it's it's more to do with it's more to do with like the banter and the and how well like how well I would jive with someone, and it would and it would also have to be the same but slightly different if if we were going to continue the podcast. Okay, so you're auditioning um, for new best friends, let's be real. And 
Who wants to be my best friend? <laughs> if I podcast with you, we'll get to know each other. We could talk about all the our meaningful things in life before exactly. the podcast, because that's a requirement before we start recording. And then we'll and then we talk about all the things in triathlon. <laughs> we also have a couple, like we also have definitely one new podcast coming this year for Live Feisty. That a, a concept I'm super excited about, and I started uh, pitching to people this morning. So. Yeah. So there's stuff happening. There's yeah, things. Yeah, you guys are doing like a live event, a new podcast. There's lots of stuff happening. Oh, yeah, there's the lots live... of stuff happening in the triathlon world, you know, in different places. It's, it's all coming together. Yeah. The live event in Atlanta too. Yeah. I forgot mm-hmm. about that with uh, Alyssa and Haley. Okay. So coming up on this show though, our, second, gonna, our penultimate show, our penultimate show, we're going to talk about the second half of endurance exchange after Kelly left treadmill world records question mark we're going to revisit the question about the female avatars on zwift because i know you haven't heard enough about that the ioc bans protesting oh i can't read my own handwriting the ioc banned protesting in tokyo for the olympics and olympians moving up to long course sarah i hear they have noon endurance in canada now Oh, Canada, baby. Finally. I use the sport tabs, the basic tabs at CrossFit. Well, I use the Noon Endurance. Citrus mango is the way to go. And now you can try that too in, you know, up north. Up here in Canada. You can order any of these or the rest tabs to help you sleep or the immunity tabs to fight off those bugs. And you can do that by using the code IRONWOMEN. I'm not saying that to you, Kelly. I'm saying this to the people at home. (laughs) The code IRONWOMEN at NoonLife.com. And go check out their new community of women doing cool stuff at Noonness, their TV channel on YouTube. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. Okay, so I had to fly out from of Endurance Exchange uh, Friday evening, but you stayed for a whole another day, Sarah. And I hear like so many things happen after I left. Like when I left at lunch that day, there was like talk, there was rumor that they were this guy Anthony Farmigelli, Farmigelli. I can never say his name. Um, was going to try and run a two mile treadmill world record, but then none of the treadmills in the ASU stadium would go fast enough. So then they had to bring in a special treadmill on a truck that almost hit me. True story. And, but then they, then they, he was like already to go. He was warming up, but the, but it wouldn't go. It needed a software update. So they had to postpone a day so that they could get the treadmill to go fast enough. You're like, Oh my God, totally happens yeah. to me. Like every time I go to the gym. It was funny. So this is, so I was watching a keynote, um, in the main room and I came out and there was a guy with like multiple cameras around him, like stretching and warming up, like just right behind where the keynote was happening in this area. And then I was like, Oh, I guess that's the guy that's doing the treadmill world record thing. And then later, like that, it was like the next day or something, or like later that day it was actually happening. I'm like, that's weird. Why was he warming up so early? I know. I felt bad for him. I felt bad for him. (laughs) He he just got like a a test run the day before. So I guess it did happen the next day after I left. To be fair, he's also like an Olympic steeplechaser, like a former Olympian. Like this is a real, 
He's He's a real athlete. I just had, okay. So I think like we talked before, we both had the same sort of question about this. Cause I'm like with the treadmill, right. And you're going for a world record, you set it to a time. And then if you, a pace, right. Well, yeah. Okay. You set it to a pace. And if you stay on the treadmill, then you're going to make it. And if you don't, you don't. So part of me, like when I was watching the coverage of it, I was watching it on Instagram. I'm like just waiting for him to like, if you fail, what do you do? Like fly off the back of the treadmill. Um, I was kind of hoping that would be the case, but it wasn't. Yeah. So it's a little weird. I was wondering this too, because he did not, to be clear, no one like said this in any of their coverage in any of the social media. He did not make the world record because the world record's like 8.0 something. And he ran an 8.25 two mile, which is totally fine. But like no one like said that, that he didn't make it. So then I was like, well, if he didn't make it, at what point, because I've done enough like really hard treadmill workouts where you either accept that you're going to fail and fall off or you'll make it right. So at what point did he be like, Oh, I can't do this and slow and like hit the button to slow down. Yeah, slow like, down? like do are, are, do treadmills now just slow down themselves? Am I not aware of this? Uh, yeah. I, I honestly, that's what I was wondering as I was watching it too, was like, did he, at some point he had to make a decision to not be on that pace. I did see him wobble a little bit at one point, mm. but I don't know, but I didn't see any buttons pressed. Like, so I don't, I don't really know. It's weird. The other thing I thought too, is like about, treadmills and calibration and world records right mm. like like anyone who's been on a treadmill knows that like 10 miles an hour is not the same on every treadmill <laughs> um or whatever i actually like did not know that for a long time because like why would they, you know what i mean like it's just you they, it could be the same like that's like it should be it's just a, a fucking belt and a motor um and it was only after yeah like some unfortunate experiences on vacation that it was pointed out to me that yeah not all treadmills are calibrated calibrated the same yeah and like it makes me wonder it makes me wonder too like do they with the world record attempts do they have like rules about calibrating and how you do it and what kind of treadmills you can use no i do not think these are official world records because i did try and like google the world and i think it's like a self-regulated world record perhaps right Anyway, that was clearly the most exciting thing that happened after I left. What else happened after I left? I don't know. <laughs> there were a lot of, you know, there were a lot of presentations about really specific parts of the sport, um, which were great if if those are the things you wanted to hear about. You know, like if you wanted to hear about market trends or if you wanted to hear about social media or I don't know, I don't know or what Or critical else. volume to achieve durability. That's the one I said it on. I th- I think that the t- my favorite was the tubes versus tubeless for road. Oh yeah, there was a whole mm-hmm. segment on carbon aero bars. Are they the future or something like that? Right. So these were very specific. There definitely did not seem to be like in past years. I feel like we've left the conference previous iterations of the conference with like a sense of the state of the sport. What mm-hmm. is happening? Where is it going? What are our current challenges? What is our future? At least an overview of the trends. And this time I never got that and. Granted, I might have missed it. There were a lot of sessions. It was quite large this time, but I never got a sense of like a a theme, an overarching, this is where things are at in triathlon. And I went to the market trends talk thinking I was going to get, you know, growing, not growing things that are what's improving, what's not. And, um, and what I took away from that was I should form a Strava group to market my business. (laughs) 
So yeah, I definitely, I mean, I had, I actually had this conversation with a few people at the conference itself that that's what was missing from this one was like, just like taking te- the temperature of the sport. Where are we and where are we going? Cause when you have everyone in the room like that, like you had over 500 people at this conference, uh, it's a really good opportunity to hear from people or be, you know, or get ideas or brainstorm together. And that, that opportunity was not acted on. So maybe that's an improvement for next year. I think that's something that was missing off from that was that was kind of at previous tbis um so i also think they might not know i don't think there is a clear i can tell you what i think the direction of the sport is right now and what like the challenges are what i'm seeing as trends but i don't think there is an overarching answer other than virtual racing which i don't want to hear any more about ever so yeah and it's more like it's more the kind of session that's not necessarily answers based but right. ideas based so people get their own answers for their own business or their own part of the sport so yeah. you could you could host a panel of people who are super plugged in and smart in their each in their own area or their own part of the country or their own part of the industry and then have a big ideas discussion and then people would take home what they will right right anyway that's I just what I, think. I think maybe the powers that be in the sport don't know what the future is right now that is that is what i'm saying is they don't i i I think they're waiting to find out i think we're very i think we're in a transition period sarah for triathlon oh interesting so now okay now we're gonna hear that amazing and and like the play on words with transition so brilliant um no i (laughs) okay so we're gonna hear so if we didn't if you were at the conference and you also felt we were lacking some macro level brainstorming kelly is now going to tell us what the future of the sport (laughs) is going to look (laughs) look like No, no, but I do think that we're in a transition period. And when you're in a transition period, you don't know what you're, what's going to happen on the other side of that. Right. Like, cause we are currently in this period where the sport has stopped shrinking, but it's not yet growing. We're like the demographics are changing, but they have not yet changed. We're like NCAA is becoming a thing, but it's not yet a thing. Right. And there is like a wave of people coming up in race directing and coaching and like the various different companies, but who are not like, you know what I mean? Like there is this, there are people there is like the next wave there that isn't quite in charge yet, but kind of is, if that makes sense. I think there's a lot of interesting initiatives happening in like local, like locally, regionally, where, you know, they're putting on really cool races in El Paso or something, but that hasn't, that is starting to grow or they're putting on really cool events in New Jersey that start. I think there are a lot of things that are kind of like, is this going to be the thing that sticks? Is this going to crack through and we're just kind of like waiting to see if that makes sense that's my kind of like gut feeling okay i'm gonna i've done this before i'm gonna do it again i'm putting it out there okay whoever has like first of all the person has to have money don't come to me without money (laughs) general rule like in life (laughs) don't come to me with your ideas we've got lots of those (laughs) whoever wants to put on like a nationwide women's triathlon well executed with some prize money with top and bottom levels of of people like what do you call them of athletes both so okay, you call them athletes yeah, yeah. bottom I, I love how i call them bottom level too it's like, <laughs> she, <laughs> means, she means top pros and beginner age group yes, <laughs> that's what i meant by that so obviously i'm not going to be doing your marketing language for it and i will give you free advertising to my oh good to my that's really what people are looking for yeah, yeah. So there you go. Whoever wants to organize that because that is needed. Well, true. All right. Uh, Things that are not needed. Ready? (laughs) Ready. 
rules of the IOC regulating protests at the Olympics. There was like a problem that was not a problem. So the IOC a couple, like two weeks ago, released a three-page document to clarify how rules regulating the neutrality of the sport will be implemented and enforced at the games in Tokyo in August. Basically, they're worried people are going to, you know, make political protests and scare off sponsors. That's pretty much what they're concerned about. But some of these rules are amazing, Sarah. So athletes are prohibited from engaging in any acts of protest on the field of play in the village or at Olympic ceremonies. They are, however, allowed to express their views on social media at press conferences and in the mix zone. Wow, it's nice of them to allow expression of views. I know. I know. And so I mean, this bans anything, I think it's of political, religious, or racial propaganda. All hand gestures of political, how did they phrase it? Like, I need to find exactly how they phrase this, because it was amazing. They're barred from conducting any hand gestures with political meaning. Okay, so if you took like all the hand gestures that have political meaning, like internationally, like if you if you pooled them all from every culture, you would literally have every hand gesture there is. Right. So, so don't move I'm your hands. Like I'm picturing like a committee at Tokyo, like like checking all hand gestures. Yeah. Don't move your hands. And keep your hands by your sides at all times. Because the other thing is like obviously it's subjective. So that's why I'm saying like I totally picture because people. Okay, a hand gesture that is religious. Ready fucking crossing yourself after you like cross the finish line. How many athletes do that shit? A lot, mm-hmm. right? Or yeah. like do the whole like kiss a praise to God thing. There's like a hand gesture that has a religious political meaning, right? Yeah. I'm not offended by it. I don't care. And I don't think it's going to be a thing that they crack down on, but clearly like that is one that is okay. But then some other ones are not. So like there is going to be a committee sitting in Tokyo deciding which hand gestures well, are okay. To be, and, and which that are is not. Weird. Yeah. That's weird. Is that weird? Like that, <laughs> that's that weird. weird to me. It seems weird. Even the phraseology around like where you are and are not allowed to express your opinions feels a little over Express your views to be clear. Your views. Yes. Because mm, they're, they're not policing your views. It's important that we all come together. However, here's the ready. Ready for this explanation? When an individual makes their grievances, however legitimate, more important than the feelings of their competitors, the unity and harmony of the sport and human accomplishment are diminished. Wow, really? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what to say to that. You're just like, uh uh-huh. Like, okay, if you say so. You're like, sure, guys. I I feel it's it's one of these things like you understand what they're trying to do because, of course, like we don't want the games to collapse all in all because sponsors are scared away and the whole thing can't happen because it's become too political. And we we've talked a lot. I mean, we we used to have a whole podcast about the Olympic (laughs) Games, about like politics and the Olympics and Olympians and how much should these things be crossing over. But they also have a long history of crossing over. They do have a long history of crossing over. And it just seems a little bit of a strange thing to police and also a strange thing to like enforce. It's like anything you can make any rule you want, but you have to think of how you're going to enforce that rule. So that's going to be interesting. I also think it's just like a solution that's looking for a problem. I don't think there were like a ton of athletes that were like, man, I just can't compete in this track meet because someone else is wearing a rainbow patch on their shoulder. Right. Like, I don't think that was a fucking thing that like was happening. And you make a really good example because is the, okay, is the rainbow patch going to be a problem, but the person doing their kiss to God is not. And then we have a problem. Yes. (laughs) Right. 
Rainbow um, Patch is definitely, I believe, a problem because there's something about armbands are banned, I whatever, symbols are banned. So then you're like, well, what if someone like paints their nails a certain color? Anyway, it's very weird to me. I think it's weird. I think it was like not an issue. It wasn't like a problem for the athletes. It wasn't diminishing the sport or the sporting whatever the 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 glory of the sporting event Mm. Mm -hmm. so interesting so it continues we should i know what we should do we should have a podcast at the olympic games talk about this are you gonna go to the olympics oh my gosh i should go to the olympics hey yeah there you go Hmm. i realized i skipped right over what we wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. which was zwift Mm -hmm. because i always skip over zwift because in my head who gives a shit about zwift Apparently, a lot of people, Kelly. Apparently. A lot of people. You're, you're the minority on this one, I think. Yeah. Um, so a couple weeks ago, um, after I had my first experience on Zwift, um, I made some observations about the way the female avatars were presented, including the fact that they had not as defined calves as the men, which I took great offense to. But one of my observations was about the hair, and I was like upset that I couldn't choose. Like the only way to choose long hair was like this weird small bun. Right. <laughs> at the back of your head like you couldn't choose a ponytail you couldn't choose long hair in any way but we heard from Erin hamilton who's our editor because she's more plugged into the gaming world than we are and apparently there's an explanation for this yeah i mean so she sent us a long email so i'm gonna try and get this right she didn't want to send a voicemail but it ha- so this is my like sum up my like my layperson sum up it has to do with the coding hair long hair is actually very hard to design in the code because think about it right it has to interact accurately with backgrounds and with other people and with shadows and wind or else it would look weird right otherwise it's just kind of this like lego version of hair that sits on your head and doesn't move so it's very very hard actually to design that to like act well, like code it right and that's why like if you think about it when i think of like I, I know nothing about video games but i think when i think about like some video game avatars of women you know they have like that weird like helmet type of whatever their hair is looks like a helmet so whether right. it's like flung out at the side or whether it's like a ponytail that just like moves in one big chunk <laughs> right um because it's like yeah it's easy to imagine that it's hard to code something that moves like with wind and direction. And if if you turn your head or if someone bikes by you or how do you code that? I think there's actually a number of things about female avatars that are literally like challenging to code, like the way that they, you know what I'm saying? I I, like hair is obviously the most, the most obvious example, the example we're talking about right now. But I think uh, male avatars are kind of in a lot of ways, like easier to design. Yeah. Maybe part of what's like built into video game why you know what i mean it's like one of those things is like is which came first sarah the sexism or the difficulties with coding well to be (laughs) to be fair it's like also like men's hair also looks like helmets right it's just like doesn't seem as weird because you can have all kinds of multiple ways of doing short hair that are like helmet ish that kind of that kind of are okay speaking of which why don't they have helmets they should just solve this problem by forcing people to wear helmets wait do people not wear helmets in zwift no did we not talk about this last time because this was another thing i know you don't have to wear a helmet in zwift i mean it's all fake so do whatever you want ride a fucking dinosaur like it's all made up but that does seem kind of weird it seems sort of weird i think you should have to wear helmets in zwift and this would solve part of the problem although you still couldn't have the ponytail hanging out the back right 
but Aaron also pointed out the other half of this is obviously like the long and complicated tension history between creating female characters and sexualizing female characters, which goes back to like, I think a little bit, there's a coding thing there, right? Like it's easier to design someone who like wear skin tight clothes, right? Cause then you don't have to worry about their clothes moving and like, but then like, that's also like, super sexual and this is a topic this tension between sexualization and empowerment is a topic we've talked about a billion fucking times go back and revisit the playboy debate parts one through ten right no, it wasn't playboy it was <laughs> playboy sports sorry illustrated. sports illustrated what do i even care the playboy debate would be hilarious no, sports illustrated <laughs> debate from last year <laughs> even the fact that you're confusing playboy and the sports playboy illustrated swimsuit based- edition says something no playboy like isn't even that crazy anymore in the age of internet porn from a, on a separate, on a totally separate point. That's true. <laughs> now that we're down this rabbit hole. But it is a fair point though, that the video game industry of which we're, I don't know if Zwift knows if it is under or not, but computer games has a very complicated and sports has a very complicated history of like whether or not a woman is being sexualized or simply being right. Like when I'm walking around in my tiny shorts and my sports bra, what makes that sexual or not is probably in your perception. Not mm-hmm. so much in how I feel about it. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So someone like if you're, yes, I, I tend to think of it as terms of like, you can be wearing whatever you want, but if you're like in a powerful pose or something like that versus like a come get me pose or come hither, you know, there's like, there's different ways to be, to to ha- expose skin and be on the I mean internet. it's in the framing right it's in like what gaze are we putting on this yes and how are we perceiving it right yeah there's there's layers to it for sure i think in the gaming industry it i can see it being more like one point aaron made was that if the audience like who they're selling the games to right. so if you're selling games to 18 year old guys right it's making the female avatars slightly looking I don't know, in a certain way is like in a certain way, like in a certain way, (laughs) (laughs) they're like going to sell more. Right. right? right, So they're like, they're making a like, and then that obviously pisses people off for other reasons. But like, I can see that that's like a, a little bit complicated in, in the world of Zwift. Right. Like I didn't feel like when I was in Zwift, I did not feel like the female avatars were sexualized. No, 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 no. I did feel like they had, they were slightly like the waists were a little bit small. And then, and then the calf thing where I felt like, I understand like making the avatar slightly smaller because the average woman is smaller than the average man. Like there's like, mm-hmm. that's just math. But like, why should the calves not be as defined? <laughs> Back. I think what I'm hearing here, Sarah, is the avatars did not make you feel like it was designed for you. Yes, that's, that would be an accurate sum up of like, of how I feel about that. <laughs> And it was me. Like, I'm trying to choose me. I'm like, the old, that was it. That was so funny is like, because the, the avatars are actually very similar to each other. Like, it's hard to tell who's like men and women when you're there that nobody right. has long hair. or You're like just in a sea of cyclists in a pack. But like, that's how in the end, that's how I ended up telling whether they were like men or women was because the calves were different, which is weird. It's all fucking weird. I got news for you. <laughs> Okay, so no solutions, but I am available for consulting work with Swift if anyone's uh, interested in that. Okay, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about Olympians because it is an Olympic year moving up to the 70.3. 
We would like to thank Noon Hydration for supporting the podcast. Get 30% off your order by using the code IRONWOMEN at NoonLife.com. That's IRONWOMEN at NoonLife.com. And follow at If We Were Riding on all the social medias and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, tell your actual friends in person how awesome we are because that works too. If We Were Riding is a Live Feisty Media production and is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our marvelous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. All right, so I know I'm like a Flora Duffy fangirl, but... I thought one of the biggest results this past week, weekend, week, was Flora Duffy's win down at South Africa 70.3. Not because, like, I didn't expect her to win, but because it means she has moved up to the 70.3 distance. And she's not the only one. There's been a number of Olympians. Ashley Gentle tried out tried out the 70.3 distance, like, at the very end of last year over in China and won. And the guy who won that same race, Martin Van Riel. <laughs> was also an Olympian who was like six in Rio. I want to say there's a bunch of Norwegians, Blumenfeld, and then obviously the guy who won 70.3 Worlds this year was just like <laughs> doing it on a whim after the ITU grand finale, uh, Gustav Eden. So there's like a ton of Olympians who are kind of feeling out the mm-hmm. 70.3 distance right now. And I think, Sarah, it is because 70.3 Worlds is in November this year. Olympics are in August. Ooh. And so it sets you up for a nice, like, transition period, a, a fallback or a blend. You know what I mean? Like, if you just, like, lock down your qualification right now, you have that in your pocket. You, yeah. Like, you can think about it. I think, too, like, there's been, it's, it's proven now that the crossover between those two can, can actually work to possibly improve someone oh, yeah. in, in one way or another. So, like, didn't Nicholas Spierig do 70.3 before? the olympics i think she did so like that kind of strength that you get from that pure like you know where you just have to go like oh like compared to the olympics you're kind of going at one pace for for oh yeah yeah. you ever see those like power files they look very different yeah yeah exactly like the power files for a a, for an olympics is like all in and then sitting in the pack (laughs) and then all in versus like anyway you you get a different skill set different strength and they cross over to each other um so maybe people are seeing or using it as a training tactic do you think um i think they're possibly using a training tactic i think there's also i mean i've certainly heard this from a number of them that their sponsors want them to make like an iron man appearance you know want them to do 70.3s because that is where like the age groupers buy shit from you know right And I think they're looking out down the road and thinking, okay, I'm going to do Olympics. Like it's an Olympic year. This is going to be big. They're going to focus on Olympics the rest of this year. Right. That's why they were feeling it out in November, December, January, not going to worry about it again. But Mm -hmm. then they, they're like looking down and being like, well, then I'm going to transition. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to transition into the bigger money. Like I'm going to come off the Olympics with my like Olympic prestige. Mm Mm-hmm transition make a ton of fucking money set myself up down the road um i do think also like this goes to what i've said a billion times which is like 70.3 is becoming its own thing it's not just like people on their way to kona it's it's legit yeah although i do have a little advice for oh yeah any any olympians crossing over okay it's good like, i think they're looking for i think i really I think, feel like olympians just want random advice yeah they're probably you know? listening yeah. right now just waiting at uh-huh, the edge of their uh-huh. seats yeah 
is like, don't do it lightly. Like you're figuring to cross over, like go all in on 70.3 or Ironman, Ironman racing in general, because you know what? There's no money here unless you win. Oh yeah. But I think, uh, I think they can win. They can win. They can win. Anyway, if I was, uh, if I had lots of money, I would uh, make sure that I was in New Zealand in November for this 70.3 Worlds because I think it's going to be really my intense. Town, town, I agree. None of you people can tell me to stop. My town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're